0: Let's go to Matthew chapter 16 tonight. I want to continue uh, something that I started a couple of weeks ago. Last week, the Lord kind of took us in a different direction. But this uh, message that we've been on this series, My Church. And um, Matthew 16 is where we want to begin. And uh, the problem that. You run into very often uh in the church in in the world but primarily talking about the church you 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 hear a lot of different things uh nowadays uh you hear uh people talking about uh you know uh how bad things are how bad things are for the the church these different things and here's what i've come to understand is that uh Believers would not be concerned if they knew what the Word says about the church. When you know what the Word says about the church, there's no concern. If I don't know what the Word says about the church, I'm going to have a hard time interpreting last day events. I'm going to have a hard time looking at last things. All right? Uh, because a lot of what you hear, a lot of what you hear people talking about has no uh, relation to the church. It has relation to the Jews and the nations, but not the church. And uh, we have to know what the Word says about the church. Uh, Jesus said here in Matthew 16, notice in verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say you're John the Baptist, some Elias, others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Notice. But Jesus said, Who do you say I am? You know, this is not what I'm teaching on, but it will play into it. Everything that the Bible says, it matters what you think about it. It matters what you believe about it when 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 jesus asked he said who do men say i am and they said well some of them are saying this and some of them are saying that but he said but who do you think i am right ever what the it's it's what do you think about the church what do you believe about the church what do you believe about prosperity what do you believe about healing what do you believe about these things and jesus said notice and Simon Peter, verse 16, answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh, hallelujah. Boy, you know, Peter kind of gets a bad rap sometimes. Uh, but, you know, he just said what he believed. And, boy, he got it right on here. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven... And I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell, notice, this is our key text. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. Over and over again, uh, the word says, this, this word prevail, it means to win a victory over To overpower or overcome. So notice what it says. It says that the gates of hell will not win a victory over the church. Now see, here's the key. When you hear somebody talking about the church and talking derogatorily about the church and talking about how the church is this and the church is weak and the church is defeated, they're not talking about the church because Jesus said that the gates of hell would not win a victory over the church. That's what Jesus said. And see, if I believe what the Word says about the church, then I've got to believe that the gates of hell will not win a victory against the church. They will not overpower. They will not overcome the church. And uh, you, 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 you've got to look past the peripheral issues. I hear so many people talking about uh, pastors and how there's pastors that haven't opened their churches, and there's pastors this, and they're doing this, and they're doing that. Well, there's reasons behind that. Some, some haven't opened their church for whatever reason. Some can't. Some, some are still under pressure not to open. But here's the point that I'm making about this. Is you, you, can't, you can't put all the church in one bag and shake it up and just say, the whole church is weak. Amen. Because Jesus said, the gates of hell would not prevail Against the church. And what God says about the church. He's saying about us. Jesus said on this revelation of who I am. The Christ. The son of the living God. I will build my church. That word. The word for church. Of course is ecclesia. E-C-C-L-E-S-I-A. Called out ones. Or those called to to uh, govern or to dominate, it occurs twice in the Gospels. It occurs here, and then it occurs in Matthew 18. Uh, That word occurs 24 times in Acts. It occurs 60 times in the Epistles. All right? It occurs 115 times in the New Testament altogether, and 110 of those times refers to the church. Not the the building, the church. When the Bible talks about the church, it's not talking about the building. We say in in our day and age, I'm going to church, and we're referencing the building. The, the, The church in the Bible is a reference to the body of Christ or the church of the living God. In Ephesians, it's mentioned nine times, and all nine times this word is referring to the church. Now, here's my point. If the Bible mentions something that often, it's vital. It's vital. Amen. Jesus came to establish the church in the earth. And the church was a mystery to those that Jesus was speaking to. They, they saw themselves as his disciples, as followers of his But not as His church, not as His body. The church had not been revealed. That word's only used twice in the four Gospels. And that's important because Jesus would mention it, but they didn't know what He was talking about. Because the church was a mystery. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If believers knew what the word says about the church, they wouldn't be concerned. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 32. The apostle Paul said, give no offense, neither to the Jews, to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Now, three different people groups. The Jews, the Gentiles, and the church. And God deals with each of these differently. This this is especially important when it comes to the study of end time things and the study of different prophecies. All right? For for instance, uh, in in the Bible, where it says in the book of Matthew, it says, uh, and this gospel shall be preached, Matthew 24, this gospel shall be preached uh, to all the world, and then shall the end come. Well, that's not to the church. Because the church isn't here at the end. The end is not the rapture. That's the end. That's when Jesus returns. And, and right? Because, because understand this. After the rapture of the church, the 144,000 Jewish evangelists preach the gospel. After they're taken up, angels preach the gospel. So all through the tribulation period, the gospel's being preached. So it's referring to the very end. Now, the reason I'm saying that is people will pluck that out of its setting and say, we got to get busy and we got to get the gospel preached so we can bring Jesus back. That's not what it's saying. That's, that's not written to us. We're not here at the end. We come back at the end. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. So God sees these three different groups of people, and he has a program for each different group, all right? The the Jews, the Gentiles, and the church. Now, obviously, once a Jew or Gentile are saved, they're now part of the church. Many of the prophetic things that Jesus said pertain to the Jewish people and the Gentile world. He didn't say some of these things to the church. The church was a mystery. Hallelujah. When you read any portion of the Bible, you always ask, who is this written to? Because it helps you interpret the Bible rightly. All right? The epistles, for instance. The epistles, there's part of the Pauline epistles that were specifically written to Jewish people. But by and large, they were written to the Gentiles, the the Book of Hebrews. I think we could all agree that was probably written to the Jewish people. The Epistle to the Hebrews, Amen. James wrote to the twelve tribes that had been scattered abroad. Is that right? But primarily, it was written to the Gentiles, to the vehicle called the Church, which is primarily a Gentile vehicle. Amen. Always ask who is, who is being spoken to. Luke 17. <coughs> Hallelujah. Luke 17 and verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. Now notice, as it was in the days of Noah, it will be this way in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, notice, until the day Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Hallelujah. Now, this is important because when the flood came, according to Scripture, it was a day like any other. They were marrying wives, giving in marriage, eating, drinking. That's why you'll hear people say, I'll hear preachers say, uh, life's never going to get back to normal. That's wrong. That's wrong. Because what I see here is right before the end, right before the end time, right before the end, people are going to be marrying, giving in marriage, eating, drinking, buying, selling. Hallelujah. Do, do you see that? We are we are not, we don't respond the way the world responds. We don't respond the way that carnal believers respond. So he says it'll be business as usual when he returns. This became very clear to me. Remember that little event called Y2K? You know, I mean, it, it, you know, we can laugh about it now, but you know, there were people that were freaking out. I I remember, you know, somebody sent me something, said, do you remember this? And it was a a sign from Best Buy and Best Buy was telling people, don't remember to turn your computer off uh, before midnight on uh, uh, January 1, uh, 2000. I knew a guy that had spent literally thousands, over $10,000 dollars. On on uh, uh, non-perishable food items and water filters and oh my goodness he he had went and and transferred a lot of his cash assets into silver and and just had bags of silver coins laying around his house and right I mean people had Vienna sausages and Underwood deviled ham and I mean it was just my goodness dear Lord. Whew. But you know it became very clear to me the more I prayed about it that that wasn't going to be a big thing and this is one of the scriptures this in matthew twenty four that the Lord took me to amen there there was a group in Topeka, Kansas called the prophecy club and and they're not they're not in existence anymore they're a very popular group. they were a gathering for all the major prophets in that area, and they had a a television or a radio program that went all across the state and and all around uh, Kansas and, and Missouri. And they, they, oh, they, made, they made a lot of money off of that. They sold uh, pallets of non-perishable food items. And, and all these different things. Well then they were all predicting the end. The prophets were predicting the end. But see you can't look at something. That's not written to the church. And predict the end out of it. you got to be watching the church. The, here's another verse. Uh, uh, it says, uh, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by her enemies, lift up your head. Right? For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Well, that's not written to the church. We're not here when Jerusalem is surrounded by her enemies. We come back when Jerusalem is surrounded by her enemies. You, 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 do you see what I'm saying? If, if you're not looking at the church correctly, you can get off track in your theology because you start expecting something to happen that's not going to happen until the church is gone. Hallelujah. I, I know Christians. Now, now, I'm not being political, but I'm just... I know Christians that would not get a shot because somebody told him it was the mark of the beast. And I just want to say, have you ever read the Bible? Hallelujah. Now, you've got to do what you've got to do there. But you understand what I mean? So Jesus goes on and he says, verse 28, likewise, As it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. The second coming of Jesus, the physical return of Jesus bodily to the earth. That's how it's going to be in that time. All right? And he says here... Uh, Notice, when the flood came, it was a day like any other. Then Sodom was lulled into complacency. Why? Nothing unusual was happening. Jesus is saying it'll be very much like this at his return. There will be scoffers and mockers in the world and in the church. That's what that's what Peter said. He said, there, there will be scoffers saying, where is the promise of His coming? There are people that scoff at the rapture. I, one brother said this fallacy, this, this fairy tale called the rapture. Well, you, you can't read what the Bible says about the church and deny the rapture. Hallelujah. <clears throat> but he says, there will be scoffers in the world and the church. Now notice something. These are accounts of judgment. But they're also accounts of redemption. Yes the world was judged. But Noah and his family were redeemed. Sodom was judged. But Lot and his family were redeemed. Oh hallelujah. See. See. There's no separation of the two. And this is is why you have to read what the Word says about the church. Anytime there's a redemption, there's a judgment. You you don't have to look any farther than the cross of Calvary. There was redemption and judgment all at once. We were redeemed at the cross and judged at the cross. Amen. Amen. You can have you you can't have one without the other. You can't have a judgment without a redemption, and you can't have a redemption without a judgment. Hallelujah. God destroyed Pharaoh, but redeemed his people. God didn't just permit it, he drowned him. Amen. He's Amen. God sent the flood. To judge the world. But He redeemed the righteous. God sent the fire and brimstone on Sodom. But redeemed the righteous. So you can't have a judgment. Without a redemption. Oh hallelujah. Do you see this? Glory to God. When, when God destroyed Pharaoh and his army. The salvation of the world depended on the rescue of the Israelites in the Red Sea. The salvation of the world. Why? Because when God acted in judgment, He also acted in redemption. There was an Israelite somewhere that had to be preserved because he carried the line that would produce Jesus. See, the problem with Pharaoh... Killing all the the baby boys of the Israelites. The problem with that. The reason God had to stop that. Was in one of those male children. Was the line that was going to produce Jesus. And so God had to stop Pharaoh. From pursuing his people. So the Messiah could be produced. Hallelujah. do, Do you see this? Even the, the, even the judgments of God are just. Uh, even the judgments of God are just. He'll only allow evil to go so far. That, that's so important to understand. When you read through the book of Revelation, the number seven is all over the book of Revelation. And especially where the judgments are concerned. Uh, uh, the seven trumpets, the seven vials, the seven bowls, uh, seven seven voices, seven thunders. We don't know what they said, but the point is the number seven, which is the number of God, is all over the book of Revelation, all through the book of Revelation, especially after chapter four. People are getting judged. People, the Judgment is being poured out on rebellious people. But here's an interesting thing. This is so important. After Revelation chapter 4, you do not see the word Ecclesia in Revelation. Because we're not here. Why? We have been redeemed. The rapture is a redeeming of the church. And there's a judgment, but there's a redemption. And if there's a redemption, there's got to be a judgment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Revelation 16, 7, chapter 19, verse 2, you can write those down. The the angels and the elders talking about the judgment that's being poured out on on the, the earth. They begin to praise and worship God and say, true and righteous are your judgments. True and righteous are your judgments. Oh, glory. That's important to understand. So God judged Pharaoh. He judged Egypt to preserve the line of the Messiah. In uh, 2 Kings 11. Am I helping you so far? See, it's, it's, you've, you've got to... The, the church, if, if I could say this, the church is the key, and uh, now I don't want you to misunderstand me. Obviously, and I've taught this before. The church has not replaced Israel. Uh, Israel is God's chosen people by election. We are God's people by grace. All right, we've been grafted into the olive tree. All right, and and Paul said in Romans, blindness in part has happened. Until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. He said don't boast against the branch. Because if they hadn't rejected Christ. You couldn't be saved. Right? So, so we haven't replaced Israel. But understand. Israel by and large right now is in unbelief. They're in unbelief. They don't believe in the Messiah. We are the vehicle that's taking the gospel. To the world and preaching the gospel, and there will come a there will come a culmination of the Father's plan. There will come a time, according to Romans ten, when the church age or the age of the Gentiles will be over. That window will be closed. When that window's closed, then God raptures the church. Jesus raptures the church out of the earth, and then the Jewish vehicle becomes the vehicle that's proclaiming the gospel. And I think, it's so, I think it's so outstanding that what you see is after it tells us that the 144,000 are beginning to evangelize and preach the gospel, the next thing we see is a great multitude that no man can number standing around the throne room, the redeemed of the Lord, in white robes, pure and white, because they're doing their job. We're doing our job, and they're going to do their job. Oh, Hallelujah. Second Kings 11 and verse one. Now, this is the uh, <coughs> excuse me, the story of Joash, and uh, when Jehu uh, was his father, and he died. And verse one says, "When Athaliah, the mother of ah- Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose, notice this. And destroyed all the seed royal. But Jehoshabah. The daughter of King Joram. Sister of Ahaziah. Took Joash. The son of Ahaziah. And stole him from among the king's son. Which were slain. And they hid him. Even him and his nurse in the bedchamber. From Athaliah. So that he was not slain. Now notice. All the seed royal was destroyed. But there was one son that was hidden and kept alive. Now remember what I said, that God will only allow the evil to go so far. If this little boy dies, it's the end of the line of David. And the Bible says that Jesus was of the house and the lineage of David. He was the son of David. The bloodline of the Messiah is in him. See, this is important. Because notice, there was nothing the devil could do. He's trying. He tried to destroy destroy that line in Egypt and failed. He tried to destroy that line here and failed. He tried to destroy the line in Bethlehem and failed. There's nothing the devil could do, and I got good news for you. There's nothing the devil can do. There's nothing he can do. Why? Because the gates of hell will not win a victory over the church. It just won't happen. See, and that's why the enemy tries to get us sidetracked sidetracked into political things and sidetracked into thinking about vaccines and and supply chain issues and bad mouthing the government and get right and and get us sidetracked folks there's nothing wrong with being a patriot i'm a patriot i love my nation i thank god for this nation i'm a card carrying nra member i believe i believe that's my right to bear arms All right? But here's here's what I'm trying to explain to you. God did not call the church to rise up and bear physical arms in, 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 in this kind of situation. He called for us to exercise our authority as the ecclesia in the earth. Amen. The righteous are always separated from the wicked. Always. Hallelujah. But you'll hear people, they'll say, well, you know, all that's happening here is the judgment of God. I have a problem with that. Because if you read through the book of Revelation, you see the judgment of God. And we're not anywhere close to the judgment of God. This can't be the judgment of God because we're still here. I need you to see that. Well, why is God allowing it? It's not so much that God's allowing it. It's that wicked men won't change. I ministered yesterday in a healing school uh, from Isaiah 38 about Hezekiah. And people will say, well, you know, God changed his mind and healed Hezekiah. No, Hezekiah changed. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and repented. Hezekiah repented and asked God to forgive him. And, and God said, I have heard your prayer, and I'm going to add 15 years to your life. Hallelujah. In, in, in 2 Chronicles 7, a, a verse that's often quoted, it says, If my people which are called by my, my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Amen. Well, that's, that's, that's true that that's in the Bible. It's true that it's there. But but think about this. He's talking about that whole nation as a whole that had turned away from God. He's talking about the Jewish people that had went away from serving God and were serving other gods and other idols. And he told told Solomon, he said, if there's no rain and if there's, there's no crops, if everything's falling, then here's what you need to do. You need to repent as a nation. That's not talking about the church. We don't need to repent over anything. I hear people say, the church needs to repent over its lackadaisicalness. I don't don't understand who they're talking about. We're we're pressing in and doing more where the things of God are concerned now than ever before. Most churches that I know are. Amen. Amen. You got to know what the Bible says about the church. Before Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed, God spoke to Abram. Look at look at Genesis 18. <coughs> what does the word say about the church? Uh, verse 25, Genesis 18, 25. That be far from you to do after this manner. Notice. To slay the righteous with the wicked. And that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from you shall not the judge of all the earth do right. Well the understood answer there is yes. He will. Abraham knew the character of God. See. How you think about God determines your ideas about God. Abraham knew the character of God. And notice what he said. The judge of all the earth will do right. It's far from you to slay the righteous with the wicked. Oh, glory. On the one hand, God had a right to destroy these cities because of their wickedness. But on the other hand, there are righteous people there. There there, there are bad things going on in our nation. But there's righteous people here. Hallelujah. Do you see that? And we have to know the character of God. If God has to judge a place, He'll always be fair with the righteous people. If God has to judge a place, he will always be fair with his righteous people. That's so important. In uh, Nahum, Nahum chapter 1. This is a a very important passage of Scripture. (coughs) Because... uh, Notice he says in verse 2, God is jealous and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. Notice, and he reserves wrath for his enemies. God reserves his wrath For his enemies. Uh, You're not an enemy of God. You're a child of God. Do you see that? God reserves his wrath. For his enemies. Hallelujah. Now. First Thessalonians 5. If I want to understand end-time things, I have to understand the role of the church. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9. Now, just let's read verse 1 so you'll see who he's writing to. Of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. So notice he's writing to the brethren. This is written to believers. You know, I don't think anybody has to tell us that we're living in the last days. But then, right on the other hand, we've been in the last days since the day of Pentecost. But verse 9, notice, it says, Remember, God reserves His wrath for His enemies. For God, verse 9, has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you can look at that a couple of different ways. You can look at that we've obtained salvation through being born again. But it says it uses the word by And there's considerable evidence that it's a reference to the rapture. We don't have an appointment with wrath, but we have an appointment with salvation by the rapture, by Jesus Christ. But either way, either way, whether you're seeing that as judgment and wrath on the earth or judgment and wrath at the last judgment, we don't have an appointment with wrath. Because we're the church. Oh hallelujah. We've not been appointed to wrath. And this is revealed in the New Testament. But there's a precedent for it that goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. It's revealed right here in 1 Thessalonians. But there's a precedent that goes all the way back to Genesis about this. We do not have an appointment with wrath. God does not deal with with the evil and the righteous the same way one translation the Weymouth translation says God has not destined us to incur his anger to incur his anger the Williams translation says for God appointed us not to reap his wrath that's not what we're appointed to we're appointed to salvation and if I'm, if I'm not looking at what the Bible says about the church, I'll miss it. You know, uh, I remember in the 70s, uh, you know, in, in, in the 70s, last days were major things. I mean, uh, uh, you know, Tim LaHaye was a prophetic author, and, and uh, what's the other guy? Uh, uh, Hal Lindsey, late, great planet Earth. Some of y'all remember reading some of those books. Uh, uh, we had the the movie that seemed like it was playing in our churches every other weekend, uh, Thief in the Night, you know, and and uh, uh, it was just, wow, it was, every song on the radio I'll see in the rapture, I mean, it was just, you know, it was prevalent in everybody's thinking, and I'm not saying that was a bad thing, but a lot of uh, sketchy ideas begin to come out of that you know and people begin the 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 group that a lot of the group that we were affiliated with they didn't believe in the rapture you know they 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 called it a secret rapture you know you guys are escapist and things of that nature well i mean but the bible says i'm not appointed to wrath. you know the church is not looking to escape the issues and the challenges of the world that's 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 not the point We're we're not not praying and and asking God to get us out of this world because we can't handle the pressure. That's part of the benefit package of being in the church is what Paul called the blessed hope. He said the blessed hope was the rapture of the church. Amen. And he said you need to comfort each other with these words. That not only are the dead in Christ going to rise first, but one day there's going to be the, the trump of God, the voice of the archangel. Jesus is going to come back in the rapture shouting, and we're all going to be caught up. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. That's that Greek word, Harpezo it means it means to move quickly from one place to another it literally means to be snatched up violently to be moved from one spot to another some some people that 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 argue against the rapture will say well rapture's not in the, even in the bible well of course it's not Rapture is a Latin word, rapture, but it's, it's a derivative of the Greek word harpezo, and it means to be snatched up, to move from one place to another. And some theologians believe that what Jesus is going to shout is, come up hither, I don't doubt it. But the point is, we're gone. Amen. And it's not escapist. We're going to be working right up till the last moment. I, I would like nothing better than to go in the rapture preaching to you. Amen. What better way to go in the rapture than sitting in church and just, we're just gone. Oh, hallelujah. Old oh, folk called it that great getting up morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. But see, that's reserved for the church. That's reserved for the church. Oh, hallelujah. In uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Oh, hallelujah. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we're going to (coughs) read verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Now, I'll read this in, a, in, a, in another uh, uh, rendering in a moment, but when people very often talk about that, that, that phrase, falling away, it's apostasy, uh, uh, the Greek apostasy. And it means a falling away. But here's the point. People always refer that to the church. But here's what I want you to see. Now, you do whatever you want to do with this. But I don't see that phrase falling away connected to the church. And and I'll tell you why. The the Wyss Bible, the Wyss translation says, do not begin to allow anyone to lead you astray in any way because that day shall not come except the aforementioned departure of the church to heaven comes first. Now, I remember years ago, many, many years ago, probably eight or nine, maybe, maybe something like that. uh, The first person I ever heard minister on this was Pastor Caldwell. And he made mention of this. Well, I mean, where any of these things are concerned, I don't just hear what somebody says and just start preaching it. I want to find out. And so the more I looked at this, the more I saw this. He said that day, the return of Christ, shall not come except the aforementioned departure of the church to heaven comes first. And the man of perdition or lawlessness is disclosed in his true identity the son of perdition so the day of the lord all right see he's he's talking about uh the day of christ the day of the lord the bodily return of christ to the earth notice what he says it says that cannot happen until the church leaves and the antichrist is revealed But notice this. I'll read you another verse in just a moment. Notice this. First, the church has to leave. Then the Antichrist can be revealed. Now think about that. People say, why is that? Because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. There can't any Antichrist be running around in the earth with the church here. Amen. Amen. Why? Because John wrote, and he said, there are many antichrists in the earth, and you know that. And he said, here's the answer to them, truth. Hallelujah. And so the antichrist is going to be on the earth speaking lies. The Bible says great swelling words, lies, things, vanities, things that are incorrect. Amen. Glory to God. But the church leaves first, and then the man of lawlessness is revealed. Now, verse 6. And now you know. Now put those together. Now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Now you know what withholdeth. The Wush Bible says, now you know with a positive assurance that which namely the departure of the church, the saints being assembled together to the Lord, is preventing his being disclosed as to his true identity in his strategic appointed time. So he says, now you know what is withholding the Antichrist being revealed. The church. The church. So something so powerful that it can stop the withholding, the the revealing of the Antichrist cannot be weak and emaciated and backslid and cold and lukewarm. Can't be. It can't be. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. (coughs) Thank you, Father. Father. And verse 7 says, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he that letteth will let, until he be taken out of the way. Until he's taken out of the way. Now, that's important. That's important. Because uh, people say, well, you know, that, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to be taken out of the way. The Holy Spirit's never going to leave the earth. Because people are going to be getting saved all through the tribulation. And the Bible says you can't come to the Father if the Spirit doesn't draw you. So the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's in the earth. But the church is not in the earth. We're we're what is withholding the the ultimate plan of the enemy. And even with the church, believers in the condition they're in, in the book of Revelation, you do not see the Antichrist Attaining total world domination. Because he can't. Because there's still righteous people in the earth. Oh, hallelujah. I mean, think, think about this. And, and I don't feel sorry for him at all. But think about this. So the church leaves. And then, uh, right? Then uh, three and a half years after the church leaves. He breaks that covenant with Israel. Israel. And turns on them, and 144,000 Jewish evangelists start preaching. Oh, Lord. Right? He, he, tries, he tries to destroy Israel, but the Bible says that the remnant of Israel flees into the wilderness. And it says that God fights for them, and the earth fights for them and whatever the Antichrist tries to do comes to nothing because the, the earth opens up and swallows people. So he's got 144 Jewish evangelists that he can't, he can't defeat. And then he's got two, two witnesses in Jerusalem that are proclaiming the word of God night and day in the streets of Jerusalem that he can't do anything against. He can't, he can't kill them. Amen. Until finally their purpose is over on the earth and he kills them. But then their bodies are resurrected. No matter what he does, he just can't win. Why? Because nobody has ever ruled and reigned on this earth except Jesus Christ. And nobody ever will. No one will ever rule the earth except the creator of the earth. Amen. And we are His agent in the earth as the church enforcing that victory. And we will enforce it until the rapture of the church. Hallelujah. And then we'll be raptured and we'll begin that preparation for the marriage supper of the Lamb. But then one day, this this is so important. And and, and maybe it will help you, maybe it won't. But boy, it sure is a good revelation for me. When, When Jesus talked about in the Scripture... When he said, uh, 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 if I go away, I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he talked about no man knows that the time uh, uh, of the coming of the Son except the Father. That, that, those were the exact words... That was used in a Jewish wedding ceremony, and the, the 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 husband and the wife that were pledged to one another. The husband would say, "I'm going away, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when the time's right, when the father's ready." I'm going to come back and bring you to Myself. That's exactly what's happening right now. Jesus is waiting to come back after His body that's on the church, uh, on the earth, enforcing His authority, enforcing His will on the earth. But one day the Father is going to turn to the Son and say, all things are now ready. Go and get your body and bring them back with you. Hallelujah. And we're not leaving with a whimper, we're not leaving covertly, we're not leaving under shadow of night, we're not leaving, and nobody's gonna know. We're leaving, and the world's gonna wonder what happened to all of those believers, all of those people, they're gonna go to your job. Some people are gonna go to your job and say, Where was that guy that constantly told me about Jesus? You are now seated at the marriage supper of the Lamb. You are the bridal party of the marriage supper Oh hallelujah That's the church That's, it's, it's how you think about the church It's how you think about the church The church is raptured The, non, the non-saved Jews stay The Gentiles stay And face judgment And face the tribulation period. But we have believed. See people will say. People will say. Well you know the Bible says. He that endures to the end shall be saved. Well we're already saved. The Bible said right there in in Thessalonians. He said we've not been appointed to wrath. But to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You, me, none of us are going to be here at the end. We get to watch the end unfold. Amen. Hallelujah. We get uh, 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 the prophet Enoch. He said that we're going to come back with the Lord. The Lord is going to return with ten thousands of his saints. And we're going to come back. And we're going to set up the government of God on this earth. A thousand years. We're going to rule and reign with him on the earth. Oh hallelujah. Isn't that good news? That is such good news. So. Keep your eye on the church because there's a lot of good things happening. Oh, hallelujah. Don't, don't get caught up, and I'm going to share this with you as we're closing. Don't, don't get caught up in the things that people are getting caught up with. I'll have people, they'll say, they'll say uh, what about this person and, and what about this guy? You think this guy missed her, this woman missed her, whatever. Look, that's, that's, that's none of my business. That's none of my business. Listen, (laughs) from from the earliest days of the Word, there have been people with predictive prophecies that missed it. People miss it. Whether they maliciously did it or, or not. But here's the point. Don't get caught up in that. Stay with what the Bible said about the church. Whoever's in the White House, we're still the church. Whichever parties in authority, we're still the church. Even if there's a pandemic, we're still the church. Right? That, that, that's, what's, that's what's important. That's what we got to stay focused on. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's stand up tonight, shall we? I hope you receive something from that.